Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Today's episode of The Other Stories is Champion of Meridoria, written by J.T. Shields and narrated by James Barnett, a.k.a. Jimmy Horrors himself, and Josh Curran. Finally, you stand at the entrance to the labyrinth. Every choice you have made has successfully led you to this moment. The magical kingdom of Meridoria trust in you to complete this last challenge. And yet, you can't help swallowing hard as you stare up at the ancient stone walls of the maze, your head reeling as you try to judge its height. No adventurer, once they enter, has ever escaped the murky twists and turns of this evil place. If you are to continue into its depths, you must consider the possibility of traps laid out by unknown hands waiting to ensnare unsuspected travelers. Not only this, rumors circulate of strange and monstrous cries, frequently heard by those who pass by, especially when darkness descends and the veil between this world and the next is at its thinnest. Do you, despite the setting sun, decide to face whatever dangers are there sooner rather than later? Turn to page 186, 
or make camp for the night and take your first steps into the treacherous labyrinth at first light. Turn to page 16. We're here. It's almost impossible to get you out of those silly things. You've hardly said a word through the entire drive. Trevor, are you listening? Trevor looked up from the pages of his book. The car slowed, its wheels popping on a gravel driveway. They couldn't have arrived already. It was just getting to the best bit. Your mum's got that right. Books like that won't do you much good, not at your age. All this fantasy nonsense, all the bleeding time. I've never got this far before. I might just get to save Miradoria. Trevor cried out. Meriwatia? Isn't that a cake? Give me that nonsense. Trevor hesitated. Before he could take a firm grip on his book, his father leaned over from the front seat and tore it out of his hands. He desperately tried to make a grab for his novel, but his safety belt jarred him against the leather upholstery. Choose your own adventure, his father read aloud like it was an enigma. Honestly, I don't understand where you get this rubbish from. It certainly won't get your head start in life, am I right, dear? It's not from my side of the family. She clicked the handbrake into position and turned off the engine. Trevor watched his father turn to the open pages, holding it in both palms. Don't, Dad, I haven't marked my page. A wry grin edged across his father's narrow lips. He raised the book and then slammed the pages shut. Now, I don't want any more about this. Best behaviour, right? Be polite when I introduce you to my boss, Mr. Stone. Understand? How's my face, Derek? Oh, you're magnificent, my darling. They walked from the car, his mum and dad fussing over their clothes as they marched Trevor to the front of the huge hotel. The building his dad's boss had hired for the annual event, full of grey windows reflecting the dull afternoon weather and no doubt the drab dinner they forced him to endure. Rows of wide steps led up to the entrance, but it was the sign to the left of the building which made his insides tingle with a thousand mini fireworks going off. He tugged at his dad's sleeve. His father quickened his pace, brushing Trevor's hands away, and mounted the stairway. Ah, uh, Mr. Stone, a wonderful venue. You've met my family, of course. Ah, Derek, and your wife, a uh, Carmen, isn't it? Trevor's father pumped Mr. Stone's hand while his mother gave a little cough. It's Karen, Mr. Stone. Oh, please, call me Tony. It's an informal event, after all. Oh, this must be your son. Let's see you, lad. Trevor thought Mr. Stone looked fatter than last year. He held out his hand to Mr. Stone, as his father had practiced with him. Trevor hadn't expected the vice-like slab of meat which enveloped the end of his arm, squeezing until the bones ground against one another. Trevor pressed back, gritting his teeth with the effort. <laughs> That's quite a handshake, my boy. Shows character. He let go. The squeeze of blood had reddened the tips of Trevor's fingers. As eager as ever, Derek. We don't start for a few hours yet. You're the first to arrive, and I was just about to check on a few of the formalities for the event. Why don't you make yourselves at home, freshen up in your room, or take a turn around the gardens? Why, I'm sure the young boy would like that after a drive, wouldn't you, my lad? Oh, can we, Dad? There's a sign for... I'm not dressed for rambling around lawns, Trevor, his mum put in. Ah, uh, nonsense. It'll do the boy some good to get some fresh air, won't it, Derek? Yes, of course. His father shifted his gaze from Mr. Stone to his wife, and then to Trevor. Burn off some energy in the boy. 
<laughs> His dad had never called him boy, ever. There's a maze, see? Trevor pointed to the sign. Excellent, that's settled then. Unless you're not up for the challenge, hey Derek? Not scared of getting lost, are we? <laughs> Mr. Stone barked a laugh like sandpaper against wood. His dad shot Trevor a dark scowl before sliding into a smile. I'm sure we'll be fine. Mr. Stone watched the three of them walk away. His father gave a wave as they rounded the corner to the hotel and followed the path to the garden. Surely we're not doing this. Please, Mum. It'll be fine. We'll be quick, then retire, and the front of the maze lay ahead of them. Although Trevor thought it a far cry from the mammoth stone walls of his book, it still had an eerie quality about it. A heavy, scented flower wrapped around the entrance, marking the air with a bitterness. Clearly no keeper had attended it for some time, the branches sticking out at odd angles like gnarled fingers clawing up towards the darkening clouds above. I'm not going in, his mother complained, not with these shoes. Trevor had already stepped inside. Despite the ominous dread setting over the labyrinth, you enter and are immediately presented with two choices. Do you take the left path, which winds inwards? Go to page 615. Or do you take the path to the right, with its shadowy recesses stretching onwards indefinitely? Go to page 12. Look, Karen, we said we would take him in. Ten minutes, and if Mr. Stone asks, we were as good as our word. Why does that matter? It does bleeding matter, though, Karen. Don't you get that? Now, where's he gone? Trevor! After walking some distance, a blood-curdling cry erupts from somewhere in the depths of this cursed place. Suddenly, you feel unprepared for whatever strange creature may stalk the narrow passageways. Looking around, you find a large rock. Do you pull the rock free and ready yourself with this meager weapon? Go to page 310. Or do you run on, increasing the distance between yourself and the howls? Go to page 222. This is getting ridiculous now, Derek. My throat's sore from calling his name and I've got a headache. Knowing him will be back at the entrance. What if he isn't? I can't go back in there and say I've lost my son. I'll be a bleeding laughing stock. What's the time anyway? It's getting dark. The dinner starts at seven and I left my phone on charge in the car. I don't know. I don't know. My phone's in my handbag. Look at my dress. It's got snagged on something. How am I going to fix that? Oh, right, I'll go back and shout at you if I come across him. If not, I'll get a map or something from reception. Well, don't make a big thing about it. You remember the way back? Karen stamped off. Derek shook his head to free the mauling dizziness which thumbed his senses. As the night sets in, the real terrors of the labyrinth emerge. At first, you think they are nothing more than tree roots, pushing up from the ground. But as you hurry on, you realize they have intelligence to them. They slither at your feet and curl about your legs with a tightening grip. With horror, you recognize the shadowy snakes have surrounded you. Do you keep moving and try to stay on your feet? Go to page 96. Or keep still and hold your breath 
Go to page 45. Karen walked with her hands outstretched. Whoever had commissioned the maze hadn't thought to install lighting. In places, the blackness was a blanket of rough branches tearing into her flesh. Either it had grown too dark to see the top of the hotel above the hedges, or she had taken an altogether misguided route, sending her far from the direction she had intended. Her heartbeat rapidly pounded as she tried one route and then spun around after hitting a dead end. When she called out, her voice drowned in the thickness all around her. Get a grip, she reassured herself. You'll laugh at this later. A branch caught her in the face, sticking her eye with a sharpness. Fuck! She stumbled and crashed into the musty decay of rotten leaves. Long coils wrapped themselves tighter around her legs as she fought back the best way she could. Her hands held onto one of the dark shapes as it made its way up her body. She opened her mouth to scream, but the shadow twisted inside, pushing deeply into her throat, battling for her life until she no longer needed it. You remain still for what seems like an eternity. Your lungs ache. Your vision burns red, and yet you still don't breathe. You're aware this is the only way. Just as you realize you can no longer continue, the grip against your legs weakens and their shadowy forms slide away, no doubt enticed by prey that seems more alive. Up ahead, you see an opening that leads to a clearing. Do you race onwards? eager to get away from the menacing shadow snakes in case they are to return. Go to page 13, or creep towards the clearing and observe the surroundings. Go to page 309. If you still have the rock, you can choose to have this at the ready. Go to page 98. Derek pulled himself free of the hedges, which pressed him on either side and stepped into a clearing. Freeing himself from the oppressive narrowness of the maze and the clawing scent which made his head spin, the icy moonlight sat flat on the scene and allowed him to survey himself. His trousers had rips across the knees through lumbering blindly onwards. His shoes were equally tatty, splattered with mud about their sides, and he was sure his face, like his hands, had thin cuts across them. He could feel their burns and the warmth of blood trickling down one cheek. A burning rage crackled, contorting the muscles in his face into a snarl. Not only had he missed the dinner, God knows what Mr. Stone would think about that, but when he got out, he would be the subject of some amusement by the entire team. No, the whole organization would snigger at the man stupid enough to get his family lost, right next to the bleeding hotel. A chilling thought gripped him, as though a freezing noose tightened around his neck. What if Karen hadn't got out? Despite his shouts, he heard nothing back. What if he never got out? destined to be trapped in a nightmare conjured by some hellish mind. Nonsense, he said out loud, when I get a hold of that bleeding kid. Looking around him, he could see a small stone construction, like a jagged tooth. Closer, however, he could make out a door, although who knew where it led. 
He tested the latch. The door swung open. He stepped back, eyes wide, just as something heavy smashed against the back of his head. He worked his mouth a few times, but his tongue caught, and words wouldn't form. At your feet lies the tyrant of the maze, whose evil has sent out its darkness since before you were born. You drop the bloodied rock, and look no further on this defeated shapeshifter. Instead, you step towards the open doorway. Do you journey onwards into the darkness of the caves below and seize the ultimate prize? Turn to page 436. Or wait to see if the townsfolk of Meridoria come to find their hero. Turn to page 65. Trevor didn't hesitate. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Champion of Meridoria was written by JT Shields, narrated by James Barnett and Josh Curran, produced by James Barnett, aka Jimmy Horrors, with music by Ghost Hack and Dark Fantasy Studio, and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Joshua Boucher for helping with our submission reading. And of course to Ben Errington for the ongoing explosion of content he fires out of his social media canon. JT Shields is a writer from the UK who enjoys all things horror. You can follow his work at www.jtshields.com. James Barnett is the producer of the Night's End podcast and After the Gloaming. Search for them wherever you get your podcasts. You can also catch other works of his at jamesbarnettcreative.com. Josh Curran is a narrator and writer. He's narrated many episodes of the other stories over the show's lifetime. He's also the creator of the horror audio drama podcast, Miscreation. You can follow him on Twitter at at jcurranwriter. The other stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So, until next time.